Welcome to the Kid Men Podcast with Dr. Val and Dr. Virginia, where we talk about everything Kid Men. And pull back the curtain on some of the surprises and challenges in children's ministry that nobody prepares you for. I'm Dr. Val, and together we have over 45 years of experience in children's ministry. I'm Dr. Virginia. Valerie and I met over 10 years ago in our doctoral program at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. We are excited to share with you all the great stuff that we have picked up over the years. We want to minister to you, the children's minister. Welcome, friends. Thank you so much for joining us today. Dr. Virginia and I are so very excited. because We have a very special guest joining in our conversation today. Angela Luton from KidCheck is here, and she is going to be talking with us about one of our very favorite topics, and that's safety <laughs> and security in our ministry. Angela, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. And I'm so excited that you guys decided to talk about emergency planning, because it is a topic that's so important, but doesn't get a lot of airtime. So thank you for taking the time to make this a specific podcast, because it's so important. Yeah. So Angela, you work for KidCheck, um, and you are a children's ministry safety expert. Can you tell us a little bit about how you got into that and how you got into this role? Uh, that's actually a really fascinating story. So oh, for the majority of my career, I have always worked in big tech. So hmm. I've always worked in technology. And when I started my family, um, big tech was not really a good fit because I spent so much time on the road and um, it just it just wasn't a good fit. And so um, I found this job. I had known one of the executives that worked here and started the company. And I said, hey, I'm looking for something fun to do. And he was like, why don't you come on board? And I, I was trying to remember if I've been with KidCheck 10 or 11 years. I, I don't really recall. But when I started, we, I was doing a lot of social media stuff and we were getting a ton of child safety questions. Mm. And I was like, wow, this is, this is really interesting. And so, you know, I would research and answer people. And pretty soon we realized there was a large community of people who really wanted to discuss child safety, but mm -hmm. didn't really have a place to go to do it. Mm -hmm. And some of those questions were around, um, you know, predator proofing your organization mm -hmm. and things like that. And so I thought, wow, you know, this would be really interesting. So I started researching all of the child safety trends of that year and what organizations were doing and um, on the policy side, as well as the procedural side. And, and I just sort of grew an interest for it. And they kind of let me start. I started blogging. I started writing, um, you know, case studies, helping out where I could. And it just kind of morphed from there. Um, mm. And, um, you know, I've spent years in this space researching um, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Right, right. And um, it's now just more of a passion for for me and KidCheck allows me to do it as value add for organizations. So I, awesome. yeah, I love the company. I love um, sort of their perspective on, you know, providing safety information and being focused on check-in. And I like that they are 
they're really strong on the technology side. So we'll talk a little bit about that in terms of mobility and, and things like that. And so, yeah, it just kind of came about. And um, I, I do really feel like it was a God thing mm -hmm. because I was nowhere near, <laughs> nowhere near sort of that, um, I guess, topic ever in my career. <laughs> God said, we're doing a 180. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, all right, here we go. And I, I have to say, I have, um, it has been such a blessing for me to be able to help, you know, those who really need it in terms of different situations and scenarios. And so um, that's kind of how I landed here. And, um, yeah. And personally, I'm a longtime mo married mom of a tween and a teen and a doodle. So I'm a doodle mom. I've got my crazy dog mom cup. And um, so that's been really, um, really fun. And I'm, as I said earlier, I'm an outdoors person. So I love hiking and biking and skiing and where I live fits me well. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Oh. So that is, that is me and TJ. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and like I said, I am so excited that you guys decided to tackle this topic of emergency response because um, it is a big topic and it is hard to get your arms around and yeah. learn the language and the acronyms mm -hmm. and just how do you approach it? I mean, right. whether you have 10 children or you have 3000 children, yeah. right. um, but I have seen some really good sort of strides over the last 10, 11 years in not just being on the shoulders of the children's ministry director. And so today I hope to provide some insight into you're not alone. You don't have to do this alone. There's resources there that you may not even know exist. And so I'm just hoping to illuminate some of those things for people so that it doesn't feel so daunting because it is so important in terms of the overall safety plan and procedures. Right. Um, so today I'll talk a lot about emergency action plans in what we call an EAP. So I like to get that acronym <laughs> right out there in the beginning. So we can talk about that. And uh, But thanks for having me. This is great. Well, we are just so glad to have you with us today. It's it's very exciting to us because Virginia and I are both, um, as people who have listened to us for a while know, we love to talk about safety and security. We like to think through all of the things that we need to have in place to make sure our ministries are as safe as possible. And so it's just very exciting for us that you've come today to be able to tell us a little bit more and to give us a little bit more information, because I know working with children's ministers so many times, we don't think about things that could possibly happen just in the span of a normal day because our, our ministries become our home and we're so comfortable there and we're so used to knowing everybody and being familiar with everything. And so our minds don't just automatically sort of go to the possibilities of things that might happen or what we need to be prepared for. And so many times when I talk to children's ministers, a lot of times when I'll ask them these questions and they'll be like, oh, I never thought about what if that scenario happened or what if this happened with parents? And so I think it's really important that we, we unfortunately kind of have to sit and think through, oh, what are some of the things that could possibly happen and what do we need to be prepared for? 
That's great because um, the worst time to prepare for an emergency is when an emergency is happening. Right. And that I think everybody, we all, we intuitively know that, mm -hmm. but it's just thinking through those scenarios. And it's really, you know, on the child safety side, we hear a lot of, oh, I wish I would have planned for that. Or, oh, I didn't think about that. Or, and that's why, you know, as I give different tips a little bit later on as to what you can do to remove the burden upon your own shoulders is to really bring people in who mm. know exactly what they're doing, because that is so helpful. Um, and it's helpful for working through some scenarios. I mean, mm. exactly what you said, we get comfortable in our environment. We think about our four walls. We don't think about, you know, what happens if we have to be outside of those four walls right. and, you know, it's chaos and how do we even begin to manage that? So right. it's, um, it's a really, it's a good topic. So the EAP really is just a written procedure about how an organization intends to respond to various types of emergencies and, um, Emergencies, the key really is figuring out which emergencies will impact your organization, and then you can plan accordingly. Right. Um, that really is sort of the first step in the scenario when you're thinking about, okay, you know, what does my area in experience, you know, um, right. do we have tornadoes, fires, floods, hurricanes, you know? So really mm -hmm. being able to pinpoint, okay, what will affect my ministry? and then being able to put a plan together. Um, I always let people know though that every EAP is different mm -hmm. because every organization is unique. And some of the factors that will affect an EAP are, well, location, um, you know, size of ministry, um, resource levels, qualifications of people, you know, um, there's just a whole bunch of different factors. Mm -hmm. However, there are some factors that are pretty standard throughout the EAP. So you'll have a, a part that's unique, but then you'll have also a part that's pretty standard right. that um, is a little bit easy to put together, I guess I would say. Right. One, of the, one of the things I get asked a lot about is, you know, every single emergency is, there's a lot of them. <laughs> so it's like, where do I start? You know, which, right. which, which one do I start with? And right. I always say, well, I get sort of the fire and the tornado example. Right. So when we look at a fire, the objective is to really move everybody out of the building safely. And that's going to look, where do you move people to? That's going to look very different for every organization. Well, with a tornado, the goal is to move everyone into the building right. safely and protect them. So that's also going to look a little bit different for every organization. But then you add the complexity of something like an active shooter. And you have a scenario where staying in the building may be the better option or possibly exiting the building could be a better option. So there's all those different nuances that I believe you really kind of have to think through um, before you start sort of pulling together your EAP. And I always tell people, you know, step out of your four walls. If we're talking about an emergency outside of your facility, is there a tennis court? 
Is there a park? Is there a large parking lot somewhere where you can safely move children to and still keep some semblance of structure? Um, look outside the four walls because once you sort of pop your head up, you're like, oh yeah, we've got this area and we've got that area. Right. And it starts to make a little bit more sense. So I hope that's helpful for sort of launching into the discussion. I, I think one of the things that people tend to forget is that when you're in the middle of an emergency, there's so much more that's going on other than just, oh, let's think about how we're going to handle this because there's that panic. There's, you know, other things that are happening. Um, I've always given the example that the day when there was smoke in the hallways, um, I was a principal of a Christian school. And so when there was smoke in the hallways, just maneuvering to make sure everybody was out of the building to make sure the kids were out. There's just this different sense of, of panic and sense of, of, you know, where am I in the building? What's happening? I can't see, you know, all of those kinds of things. And you kind of have to think through, okay, because we already knew so well what we were supposed to do, we were able just to move into that automatically without having to think through it while there's all this other going on. And so having these plans in place ahead are, it's really, really important. And training, <clears throat> you know, what you just said, we all knew where to go. We knew the starting right. point. And, you know, with emergencies, sometimes you have seconds to respond. Mm -hmm. I mean, literally mm -hmm. seconds to make big level decisions that can save lives. And so it's really important. You know, I always stress with everything that has to do with child safety and protection, that education and training is just ongoing. Um, whether you're onboarding new volunteers, whether you've got volunteers who've been with you a long time, um, that education piece is always important. And you know, what's so interesting is that most ministry directors don't take volunteers and um, staff and walk them around the building, show them the exits, right. show them the routes that are easiest to get out. That's often a piece that's missing when new volunteers are coming on, but it's so important because exactly what you just said, you kind of lose your bearings, especially if there's smoke, especially you know if there's something that happens inside the building and all right. of a sudden you have no line of sight. Right. Um, you know, people knowing your building inside and out. And it really comes down to, to training. Right. So that's great. I'm sorry that you had to go through that. That sounds scary. <laughs> just hearing you say that in a school, I just, right. I can't imagine. Well, um, and I, th I think the most stressful thing for me, because it, it ended up being something very small and it was taken care of very quickly. And so it wasn't, it, it was all good, but it was so funny because we were, we were a Christian school in a church. And because we did do fire drills on a very regular basis, the kids were very familiar with what to do. Yeah. The problem was that the church staff, though, never really took them super seriously. And so I was literally having to run around the building for part of the time to make sure that the church staff was actually exiting the building because they thought it was just another pop-up fire drill. Wow. And so it's getting everyone to understand it doesn't matter, you know, you know, you need to be prepared, but you never know in an emergency when it's going to really be something big and you do need to know what to do. And, and so that sort of adds another stress that we shouldn't have to have because you should just know everyone should know the policy, know the, the procedure and, and follow it. And so it's, it's, it's interesting though. And some people absorb procedure and some people don't. 
right. especially in stressful situations. You know, I mean, some people, you know, you sound one, you sound like someone who's like, okay, I know the procedures. It was a stressful situation. I knew exactly what to do. Some people, they don't, they don't have that skill set. And so first they have to work on just calming down so that they can think clearly, Mm -hmm. which that also adds another nuance in terms of how people learn procedure, how they act in stressful situations. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, unfortunately that's harder to teach, but exposing them to the information more readily I think helps a lot. So for our discussion today, how I sort of um, structured the emergency response was emergencies outside the facility, emergencies inside the facility, and then I added a health and behavioral component to emergencies. Mm -hmm. So I felt like those were good big buckets that we could Mm -hmm. sort of talk about, especially because you just brought up fire which, um, you know, that is something that happens inside the facility. And usually those types of emergencies will be fire, chemical spill, power outage, things like that. Mm -hmm. And you pretty much already hit some of the main objectives, which were getting people out safely. Um, Can I ask you, when you evacuated, did you know exactly where each classroom was to go or yes how did that work we we had we had a plan in place we had we had practiced many many times because um, because we were an, an accredited school even though we were in a church building we still followed all of those typical procedures and we had fire inspections regularly and things so we practiced those drills but because of my experience in the Christian school even on Sunday mornings we would occasionally do fire drills on Sunday mornings for church and so my Sunday school classes were the same they knew exactly where they were supposed to go we had, you know, walkie talkie set up in certain, you know, areas for them to pick up so that that way we were sure that everybody had exited the building. We had people that were supposed to check certain zones. And so we we had this plan in place so that we knew where everybody was going to be so we could check for everybody so that when the fire department came, which obviously the fire department came in that situation during the school day, you know, when they went through the building, everybody was out. I had everybody accounted for the teachers had accounted for all the kids. We knew by the time they got there where everyone was and they were exactly where they were supposed to be. That's great. Mm-hmm. That's like a dream scenario. Yeah, it was. <laughs> <laughs> it really was. I mean, that's like that's like the perfect scenario that you want to play out every time you have an emergency. Um, but I do believe that the reason that it played out that way was because of all of the education and training your teachers becoming familiar with the facility, knowing the exits, knowing, you know, and the children. Mm-hmm. That's that's such an important component of the whole EAP because they're actually part of that as well. Mm-hmm. So if they know how to line up where their exit is, you know, if the smoke is overwhelming, you know, I'm sure they get the stop, drop and roll type stuff in terms of education from local fire you know, that educating them is just such an important thing. But, you know, a lot of organizations, just because of lack of resources, Mm -hmm. sometimes that becomes a little bit more challenging. Well, it is really hard. And especially in a church setting, because a lot of pastors aren't super comfortable with doing things like a fire drill during a worship service. Um, But for us too, uh, our, our fire alarm would go off often 
And, mm-hmm. and our rule in the building was it didn't matter, even if we knew what made it go off randomly, that we still followed all the procedures and we still used it as a, a fire drill. But my teachers would make fun of me too, because if I knew I was doing like a surprise fire drill on a certain day, occasionally I would put like a, 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 some chairs in a hallway with a sign that says, this is fire. You can't go this way. <laughs> <laughs> so that they would have to like, yeah. like pivot and find a different way out of the building than yeah. where they normally would. And they were like, why do you do this to us? And I was like, because you never know where the fire is going to yeah. be. You never know so what great. might happen. And so it was like, I wanted them to be, you know, prepared to think through it. So I love that. You know, I, I don't have that anywhere, but that sort of scenario planning for surprises is Perfect. Because you're absolutely right. I mean, you want people to be able to think on their feet. And what if things don't go as planned? You know, what if an exit is blocked? What if, you know, something out of the ordinary? But one thing you mentioned that I had on my list of points to make for emergencies inside the building was communication. So a lot of times what we find is a lack of communication devices. You know, um, the good thing about, you know, we've got walkie-talkies. I think there are some very affordable ones these days. Mm-hmm. I know, like, we bought some really small ones for when we ski and different things. And they're not that expensive. Like, I think we bought them at Cabela's. And you can charge them up. You can have them in different areas. Right. And they're essentially walkie-talkies. Mm-hmm. So making sure that you have the communication devices so that you can mm-hmm. speak together is really important. There's also apps on phones now that people right. can download that actually turn their phone into a walkie-talkie. Right. So if in fact, you know, equipment isn't possible because of budget constraints, you can always still use something on the phone. But it's really mm-hmm. important to have that communication, especially when you're trying to keep track of everybody. Right. So one quick question I have for you, because I'm so curious now, is <laughs> when everybody exited the building, how did you track attendance? Well, for again, for the for the school day with school, all of the teachers had a, a and this was back, this was several years ago. So this was a little before technology was really huge <laughs> um, when this particular thing happened. But we had uh, clipboards with uh, class roles that stayed with all of the, there was like a little emergency kit that would go with the teachers. So they had their walkie talkie, they had an emergency role so that they had it checked that morning so that they knew what kids were there and who was not there so that when they did um, exit, because they were to exit, they were to line up, they were to check roll. And then they had to let us know on the walkie talkie, did they have any kids that were missing? Like, did they have kids that were in the restroom? We had the walkie talkies that were rechargeable because we use them for the playground as yeah. well and and things like that. And I've always used the same system in churches when I've been the children's minister at a church. I've used walkie talkies because some people mm-hmm. didn't have phones. Some right. buildings that I've been in in the past, the buildings were set up where cell phones just didn't work super well. Right. And and the walkie talkies really worked a whole lot better for us. And so, mm-hmm. you know, it's just been sort of according to the ministry, but um, that's just been a huge, that was a huge thing that I always made sure was in place every day Some that, that they were charged, that they were taken care of. It was just a daily routine for me. That's great. I mean, like I said, that's really a dream scenario because a lot of ministries won't have that. Mm-hmm. Um, one person maybe in the overall staff will have walkie-talkie, mm-hmm. but it's it's rare, at least from what I've seen, where you have individual walkie-talkies mm-hmm. in a kit-like um, 
uh, you know, something within the classroom. So mm -hmm. that, I mean, that is exactly, you did everything right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, especially with the communication piece, because mm -hmm. we always tell people it, walkie talkies, communication tools are so worth the investment. Right. Um, you know, and with churches, we often share that that's why we encourage people to connect with their security teams. Mm -hmm. Because oftentimes, if you don't have your communication um, devices in your ministry, mm -hmm. possibly your security team will have an extra one that can be utilized in children's ministry. Right. So, you know, it's always important for children's ministry directors to really connect with their security team, know who leads it, attend their meetings once a month talk about some of the challenges that you're facing. They are a fantastic resource for helping in these types of scenarios. And on Sunday or Saturday, whenever church occurs, they can be an extra set of hands. So there's oftentimes, you know, we encourage people to use security for just an extra set of hands. If right. evacuation needs to take place, communication, mm -hmm. um, especially with first response in your local area. Um, so really being connected and knowing that security team is, mm -hmm. a, a, is really huge for emergency response. Mm -hmm. um, because, and so often you've got emergency responders on those teams, police, right. fire, paramedic, right. you know, and so utilize those resources have them help you figure out what is the best route? Where mm -hmm. should we go? Are there safety gaps that I just walk by every day and don't see? Mm -hmm. You know, so we just encourage people to use, just to leverage them and their knowledge. Right. Let's talk about emergencies outside the building, which really pertain more to weather related. So right. tornadoes, hurricanes, you know, sometimes fires outside of buildings. Um, that also is the goal where you're bringing people in and that requires a little bit more um, attention to how are you stocked up on your emergency? You know, do you have water, food, communication devices? Um, do, is there a designated area for people to share shelter in place? Um, what happens if families are separated? You've got all the children, but yet the parents are somewhere else on the campus. You know, do they know where to go? How do they pick them up? These are all things you want to address if you're experiencing an emergency outside your building. And I think for those, once again, the communication with parents mm -hmm. in all of these scenarios is key. And I've seen it done a lot of different ways. You know, sometimes when new families attend somewhere, you know, there'll be sort of a little educational class that they'll go through. Mm -hmm. I've seen some churches or houses of worship who've done small books to say in the event of an emergency, here's mm -hmm. how we respond. Here's what you'll need to do. And it allows them to sort of read through it at their own pace, ask questions. And it's mm -hmm. actually a great tool for just discussion, for getting to know the family a little bit more it enables them to see that you're planning for all scenarios with child safety. Mm -hmm. And so um, those are some ways that we've seen the information disseminated. Um, also websites, landing pages, emails, things like that, of course, throughout the year. But if you really want them to know how you're going to be sheltering in place, right. that's, an, that's a great opportunity to be able to share that information.
to say one of the things that we really encourage ministries to do is to have like a ministry handbook or a volunteer handbook or parent handbook, some sort of handbook <laughs> for your ministry that includes that information and probably lots of other information as well, but, right. but a, a central location for all that sort of information. Right. Well, and it allows them to ask questions like, mm-hmm. oh, I see that you're in, you're sheltering in place for a tornado in youth building 400. Where exactly is that? Right. You know, I always encourage churches whether it's on your weekly bulletin or your handouts or whatever, always put a map of your campus, no matter how small or large, yes. somewhere in that information and put a big, you're here. Right. With, you know, <laughs> because I'm not great at reading a map. You know, I mean, it. I'd have to sort of orient myself. But if I know, oh, I'm in this building and here's where the kids are, it's just helpful. So mm-hmm. I always encourage organizations to, to always produce a map somewhere, right. whether it's signage, whether it's handouts, just so people get familiar with your layout, right. because there's nothing worse than being a parent and being separated in an emergency and going, yeah. where exactly is my child? Right. Who's, yeah. who's got them? Right. So I think those types of tips are so helpful. Um, and, and having the resources, you know, whether it's snacks, water, blankets, first aid kits, things like that on the inside for sheltering in place. Mm -hmm. Um, We have actually on the Kitchen blog, there is a post out there that talks about, I think, I can't remember if it was a tornado or a hurricane, but there was a youth um, ministry and they had to, they ended up having to come in and shelter in place. And they actually used the check-in system as a communication between parents Mm -hmm. and the staff. Because at that time there was there was no Wi-Fi, there was minimal, you know, cellular service, mm-hmm. but they were able to sort of send out sort of blanket text of here mm-hmm. we are, we have your child, you know. So that's kind of interesting. But yeah. those are the scenarios you want to be prepared for when you bring yes. everybody in. Right. And um, so with bringing everybody in, um, it's really important to 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 educate the children. Mm-hmm. On when we have to shelter in place, this is where we're going to be. And this is what's going to happen. Angela has so much great information for us that we have decided to break this into two different episodes. So we hope that you will join us next week to hear the second part talking about child safety and security policies. Have a great week and we will talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm.